Section 18 of White Knights and Other Stories by Fyodor Dostoevsky. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karina Schultz. A Faint Heart by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated from the Russian by Constance Garnett. Part 2. Their way lay from the Petersburg side to Kolomna. Arkady Ivanovitch stepped out boldly and vigorously, so that from his walk alone one could see how glad he was at the good fortune of his friend, who was more and more radiant with happiness. Vasya trotted along with shorter steps, though his deportment was none the less dignified. Arkady Ivanovitch, in fact, had never seen him before to such advantage. At that moment he actually felt more respect for him, and Vasya's physical defect of which the reader is not yet aware, Vasya was slightly deformed, which always called forth a feeling of loving sympathy in Arkady Ivanovitch's kind heart, contributed to the deep tenderness the latter felt for him at this moment, a tenderness of which Vasya was in every way worthy. Arkady Ivanovitch felt ready to weep with happiness, but he restrained himself. "'Where are you going? Where are you going, Vasya? It is nearer this way!' he cried seeing that Vasya was making in the direction of Vasnesenki. "'Hold your tongue, Arkasha. It really is nearer, Vasya.' "'Do you know what, Arkasha?' Vasya began mysteriously, in a voice quivering with joy. "'I tell you what. I want to take Lizanka a little present.' "'What sort of present?' "'At the corner here, brother, is Madame La Rose, a wonderful shop.' "'Well.' "'A cap, my dear, a cap.' i saw such a charming little cap to-day i inquired i was told it was the fag on manon lescaut a delightful thing cherry-coloured ribbons and if it is not dear arkasha even if it is dear i think you are superior to any of the poets vasya come along they ran along and two minutes later went into the shop they were met by a black-eyed Frenchwoman with curls, who, from the first glance at her customers, became as joyous and happy as they, even happier, if one may say so. Vasya was ready to kiss Madame Leroux in his delight. "'Arkasha,' he said in an undertone, casting a casual glance at all the grand and beautiful things on little wooden stands on the huge table. "'Lovely things! What's that? What's this? This one, for instance!' "'This little sweet, do you see?' Vasya whispered, pointing to a charming cap further away, which was not the one he meant to buy, because he had already from afar descried and fixed his eyes upon the real, famous one, standing at the other end. He looked at it in such a way that one might have supposed someone was going to steal it, or as though the cap itself might take wings and fly into the air just to prevent Vasya from obtaining it. "'Look,' said Arkady Ivanovitch, pointing to one, I think that's better. Well, Arkasha, that does you credit. I began to respect you for your taste, said Vasya, resorting to cunning with Arkasha in the tenderness of his heart. Your cap is charming, but come this way. Where is there a better one, brother? Look, this way. That, said Arkady, doubtfully. But when Vasya, incapable of restraining himself any longer, took it from the stand from which it seemed to fly spontaneously, as though delighted at falling at last into the hands of so good a customer, and they heard the rustle of its ribbons, ruches, and lace, an unexpected cry of delight broke from the powerful chest of Arkady Ivanovitch. 
even madame leroux while maintaining her incontestable dignity and preeminence in matters of taste and remaining mute from condescension rewarded vasya with a smile of complete approbation everything in her glance gesture and smile saying at once yes you have chosen rightly and are worthy of the happiness which awaits you it has been dangling its charms in coy seclusion cried vasya transferring his tender feelings to the charming cap you have been hiding on purpose you sly little pet and he kissed it that is the air surrounding it for he was afraid to touch his treasure retiring as true worth and virtue arkady added enthusiastically quoting humorously from a comic paper he had read that morning well vasya hurrah arkasha you are witty to-day i predict you will make a sensation as women say madame leroux madame leroux what is your pleasure dear madame leroux madame leroux looked at arkady ivanovitch and smiled condescendingly you wouldn't believe how i adore you at this moment allow me to give you a kiss and vasya kissed the shopkeeper she certainly at that moment needed all her dignity to maintain her position with such a madcap but i contend that the innate spontaneous courtesy and grace with which madame leroux received vasya's enthusiasm was equally befitting she forgave him and how tactfully how graciously she knew how to behave in the circumstances how could she have been angry with vasya madame leroux how much five roubles in silver she answered straightening herself with a new smile and this one madame leroux said arkady ivanovitch pointing to his choice that one is eight roubles there you see there you see come madame leroux tell me which is nicer more graceful more charming which of them suits you best the second is richer but your choice say blue coquet then we will take it madame leroux took a sheet of very delicate paper pinned it up and the paper with the cap wrapped in it seemed even lighter than the paper alone vasya took it carefully almost holding his breath bowed to madame leroux said something else very polite to her and left the shop i am a ladies man i was born to be a ladies man said vasya laughing a little noiseless nervous laugh and dodging the passers-by whom he suspected of designs for crushing his precious cap listen arkady brother he began a minute later and there was a note of triumph of infinite affection in his voice arkady i am so happy i am so happy vasya how glad i am dear boy no arkasha no i know that there is no limit to your affection for me but you cannot be feeling one hundredth part of what i am feeling at this moment my heart is so full so full arkasha i am not worthy of such happiness i feel that i am conscious of it why has it come to me he said his voice full of stifled sobs what have i done to deserve it tell me look what lots of people what lots of tears what sorrow what work-a-day life without a holiday while i i am loved by a girl like that i but you will see her yourself immediately you will appreciate her noble heart i was born in a humble station now i have a grade in the service and an independent income my salary i was born with a physical defect i am a little deformed see she loves me as i am yulian mastakovitch was so kind so attentive so gracious to-day 
He does not often talk to me. He came up to me. Well, how goes it, Vasya? Yes, really, he called me Vasya. Are you going to have a good time for the holiday, eh? He laughed. Well, the fact is, Your Excellency, I have work to do. But then I plucked up courage and said, And maybe I shall have a good time, too, Your Excellency. I really said it. He gave me the money on the spot. Then he said a couple of words more to me. Tears came into my eyes, brother. I actually cried. And he, too, seemed touched. He patted me on the shoulder and said, Feel always, Vasya, as you feel this now. Vasya paused for an instant. Arkady Ivanovitch turned away, and he, too, wiped away a tear with his fist. "'And, and,' Vasya went on, "'I have never spoken to you of this, Arkady. Arkady, you make me so happy with your affection. Without you I could not live. No, no, don't say anything, Arkady. Let me squeeze your hand. Let me thank you.' Again Vasya could not finish. Arkady Ivanovitch longed to throw himself on Vasya's neck, but as they were crossing the road and heard almost in their ears a shrill, "'Hi, there!' they ran frightened and excited to the pavement. Arkady Ivanovitch was positively relieved. He set down Vasya's outburst of gratitude to the exceptional circumstances of the moment. He was vexed. He felt that he had done so little for Vasya hitherto. He felt actually ashamed of himself when Vasya began thanking him for so little. But they had all their lives before them, and Arkady Ivanovitch breathed more freely. The Artemyevs had quite given up expecting them. The proof of it was that they had already sat down to tea. And the old, it seems, are sometimes more clear-sighted than the young, even when the young are so exceptional. Lizanka had very earnestly maintained, "'He isn't coming! He isn't coming, Mamma! I feel in my heart he is not coming!' while her mother, on the contrary, declared that she had a feeling that he would certainly come, that he would not stay away, that he would run round, that he could have no office work now on New Year's Eve. Even as Lizanka opened the door, she did not in the least expect to see them, and greeted them breathlessly, with her heart throbbing like a captured bird's, flushing and turning as red as a cherry, a fruit which she wonderfully resembled. Good heavens, what a surprise it was! What a joyful, oh! broke from her lips. Deceiver! My darling! she cried, throwing her arms round Vasya's neck. But imagine her amazement, her sudden confusion, just behind Vasya, as though trying to hide behind his back, stood Arkady Ivanovitch, a trifle out of countenance. It must be admitted that he was awkward in the company of women, very awkward indeed. In fact, on one occasion something occurred, but of that later. You must put yourself in his place, however. There was nothing to laugh at. He was standing in the entry, in his galoshes and overcoat, and in a cap with flaps over the ears, which he would have hastened to pull off, but he had, all twisted round in a hideous way, a yellow-knitted scarf, which, to make things worse, was knotted at the back. He had to disentangle all this, to take it off as quickly as possible, to show himself to more advantage, for there is no one who does not prefer to show himself to advantage. And then Vasya, vexatious, insufferable Vasya, of course always the same dear kind Vasya, but now insufferable, ruthless Vasya. Here, he shouted, Lizanka, I have brought you my Akrati. What do you think of him? He is my best friend. 
Embrace him, kiss him, Lizanka. Give him a kiss in advance. Afterwards you will know him better. You can take it back again. Well, what, I ask you, was Arkady Ivanovitch to do? And he had only untwisted half of the scarf so far. I really am sometimes ashamed of Vasya's excess of enthusiasm. It is, of course, the sign of a good heart, but it's awkward, not nice. At last both went in. The mother was unutterably delighted to make Arkady Ivanovitch's acquaintance. She had heard so much about him. She had, but she did not finish. A joyful, oh, ringing musically through the room, interrupted her in the middle of a sentence. Good heavens! Lizanka was standing before the cap which had suddenly been unfolded before her gaze. She clasped her hands with the utmost simplicity, smiling such a smile. Oh, heavens, why had not Madame Leroux an even lovelier cap? Oh, heavens, but where could you find a lovelier cap? It was quite first-rate. Where could you get a better one? I mean it, seriously. This ingratitude on the part of lovers moves me, in fact, to indignation, and even wounds me a little. Why, look at it for yourself, reader. Look, what could be more beautiful than this little love of a cap? Come, look at it. But no, no, my strictures are uncalled for. They had by now all agreed with me. It had been a momentary aberration. The blindness, the delirium of feeling, I am ready to forgive them. But then you must look. You must excuse me, kind reader. I am still talking about the cap. Made of tulle, light as a feather, a broad cherry-colored ribbon covered with lace passing between the tulle and the ruche, and at the back two wide long ribbons they would fall down a little below the nape of the neck. All that the cap needed was to be tilted a little to the back of the head. Come, look at it. I ask you, after that— But I see you are not looking. You think it does not matter. You are looking in a different direction. You are looking at two big tears, big as pearls that rose in two jet-black eyes, quivered for one instant on the eyelashes, and then dropped on the ethereal tool of which Madame Leroux's artistic masterpiece was composed. And again I feel vexed. Those two tears were scarcely a tribute to the cap. No, to my mind, such a gift should be given in cool blood, as only then can its full worth be appreciated. I am, I confess, dear reader, entirely on the side of the cap." They sat down, Vasya, with Lizanka, and the old mother, with Arkady Ivanovitch. They began to talk, and Arkady Ivanovitch did himself credit. I am glad to say that for him. One would hardly, indeed, have expected it of him. After a couple of words about Vasya, he most successfully turned the conversation to Yulian Mastakovitch, his patron, and he talked so cleverly, so cleverly, that the subject was not exhausted for an hour. You ought to have seen with what dexterity, what tact, Arkady Ivanovitch touched upon certain peculiarities of Yulian Mastakovitch, which directly or indirectly affected Vasya. The mother was fascinated, genuinely fascinated. She admitted it herself. She purposely called Vasya aside and said to him that his friend was a most excellent and charming young man, and what was of most account, such a serious, steady young man. Vasya almost laughed aloud with delight. He remembered how the serious Arkady had tumbled him on his bed for a quarter of an hour. Then the mother signed to Vasya to follow her quietly and cautiously into the next room. 
it must be admitted that she treated lizanka rather unfairly she behaved treacherously to her daughter in the fullness of her heart of course and showed vasya on the sly the present lizanka was preparing to give him for the new year it was a paper case embroidered in beads and gold in a very choice design on one side was depicted a stag absolutely lifelike running swiftly and so well done on the other side was the portrait of a celebrated general also an excellent likeness i cannot describe vasya's raptures meanwhile time was not being wasted in the parlor lizanka went straight up to arkady ivanovitch she took his hand she thanked him for something and arkady ivanovitch gathered that she was referring to her precious vasya lizanka was indeed deeply touched she had heard that arkady ivanovitch was such a true friend of her betrothed so loved him so watched over him guiding him at every step with helpful advice that she lizanka could hardly help thanking him could not refrain from feeling grateful and hoping that arkady ivanovitch might like her if only half as well as vasya then she began questioning him as to whether vasya was careful of his health expressed some apprehensions in regard to his marked impulsiveness of character and his lack of knowledge of men and practical life she said that she would in time watch over him religiously that she would take care of and cherish his lot and finally she hoped that arkady ivanovitch would not leave them but would live with them we three shall live like one she cried with extremely naive enthusiasm but it was time to go they tried of course to keep them but vasya answered point-blank that it was impossible arkady ivanovitch said the same the reason was of course inquired into and it came out at once that there was work to be done entrusted to vasya by yulian mastakovitch urgent necessary dreadful work which must be handed in on the morning of the next day but one and that it was not only unfinished but had been completely laid aside the mamma sighed when she heard of this while lizanka was positively scared and hurried vasya off in alarm the last kiss lost nothing from this haste though brief and hurried it was only the more warm and ardent at last they parted and the two friends set off home both began at once confiding to each other their impressions as soon as they found themselves in the street and could they help it indeed arkady ivanovitch was in love desperately in love with lizanka and to whom could he better confide his feelings than to vasya the happy man himself and so he did he was not bashful but confessed everything at once to vasya vasya laughed heartily and was immensely delighted and even observed that this was all that was needed to make them greater friends than ever you have guessed my feelings vasya said arkady ivanovitch yes i love her as i love you she will be my good angel as well as yours for the radiance of your happiness will be shed on me too and i can bask in its warmth she will keep house for me too vasya my happiness will be in her hands let her keep house for me as she will for you yes friendship for you is friendship for her you are not separable for me now only i shall have two beings like you instead of one arkady paused in the fullness of his feelings while vasya was shaken to the depths of his being by his friend's words the fact is he had never expected anything of the sort from arkady 
Arkady Ivanovitch was not very great at talking, as a rule. He was not fond of dreaming, either. Now he gave way to the liveliest, freshest, rainbow-tinted daydreams. "'How I will protect and cherish you both,' he began again. "'To begin with, Vasya, I will be godfather to all your children, every one of them. And secondly, Vasya, we must bestir ourselves about the future.' We must buy furniture, and take a lodging, so that you and she and I can each have a little room to ourselves. Do you know, Vasya, I'll run about tomorrow and look at the notices on the gates. Three, no, two rooms, we should not need more. I really believe, Vasya, I talked nonsense this morning. There will be money enough. Why, as soon as I glanced into her eyes, I calculated at once that there would be enough to live on. It will all be for her— oh how we will work now vasya we might venture up to twenty-five roubles for rent a lodging is everything brother nice rooms and at once a man is cheerful and his dreams are of the brightest hues and besides lizanka will keep the purse for both of us not a farthing will be wasted do you suppose i would go to a restaurant what do you take me for not on any account and then we shall get a bonus and reward for we shall be zealous in the service oh how we shall work like oxen toiling in the fields only fancy and arkady ivanovitch's voice was faint with pleasure all at once and quite unexpected twenty-five or thirty roubles whenever there's an extra there'll be a cap or a scarf or a pair of little stockings she must knit me a scarf Look what a horrid one I've got, the nasty yellow thing. It did me a bad turn today. And you wore a nice one, Vasya, to introduce me while I had my head in a halter. Though, never mind that now. And look here, I undertake all the silver. I am bound to give you some little present. That will be an honor. That will flatter my vanity. My bonuses won't fail me, surely. You don't suppose they would give them to Skorohodov? No fear, they won't be landed in that person's pocket. I'll buy you silver spoons, brother. Good knives, not silver knives, but thoroughly good ones. And a waistcoat, that is, a waistcoat for myself. I shall be best man, of course. Only now, brother, you must keep at it. You must keep at it. I shall stand over you with a stick, brother, today and tomorrow and all night. I shall worry you to work. Finish, make haste, and finish, brother and then again to spend the evening, and then again both of us happy. We will go in for Lotto. We will spend the evening there. Oh, it's jolly. Oh, the devil, how vexing it is. I can't help you. I should like to take it and write it all for you. Why is it our handwriting is not alike? Yes, answered Vasya. Yes, I must make haste. I think it must be eleven o'clock. We must make haste to work." And saying this, Vasya, who had been all the time alternately smiling and trying to interrupt with some enthusiastic rejoinder the flow of his friend's feelings, and had, in short, been showing the most cordial response, suddenly subsided, sank into silence, and almost ran along the street. It seemed as though some burdensome idea had suddenly chilled his feverish head. He seemed all at once dispirited. Arkady Ivanovitch felt quite uneasy. He scarcely got an answer to his hurried questions from Vasya, who confined himself to a word or two, sometimes an irrelevant exclamation. "'Why, what is the matter with you, Vasya?' he cried at last, hardly able to keep up with him. "'Can you really be so uneasy?' 
Oh, brother, that's enough chatter, Vasya answered with vexation. Don't be depressed, Vasya. Come, come, Arkady interposed. Why, I have known you write much more in a shorter time. What's the matter? You've simply a talent for it. You can write quickly in an emergency. They are not going to lithograph your copy. You've plenty of time. The only thing is that you are excited now and preoccupied, and the work won't go so easily. Vasya made no reply, or muttered something to himself, and they both ran home in genuine anxiety. Vasya sat down to the papers at once. Arkady Ivanovitch was quiet and silent. He noiselessly undressed and went to bed, keeping his eyes fixed on Vasya. A sort of panic came over him. "'What is the matter with him?' he thought to himself, looking at Vasya's face that grew whiter and whiter, at his feverish eyes, at the anxiety that was betrayed in every movement he made. Why, his hand is shaking. What a stupid! Why did I not advise him to sleep for a couple of hours, till he had slept off his nervous excitement, anyway? Vasya had just finished a page. He raised his eyes, glanced casually at Arkady, and at once, looking down, took up his pen again. "'Listen, Vasya,' Arkady Ivanovitch began suddenly, "'wouldn't it be best to sleep a little now? Look, you are in a regular fever.' Vasya glanced at Arkady with vexation, almost with anger, and made no answer. "'Listen, Vasya, you'll make yourself ill.' Vasya at once changed his mind. "'How would it be to have tea, Arkady?' he said. "'How so? Why?' "'It will do me good. I am not sleepy.' I'm not going to bed. I am going on writing, but now I should like to rest and have a cup of tea, and the worst moment will be over. First rate, brother Vasya. Delightful. Just so. I was wanting to propose it myself, and I can't think why it did not occur to me to do so. But I say, Mavra won't get up. She won't wake for anything. True. That's no matter, though, cried Arkady Ivanovitch, leaping out of bed. I will set the samovar myself. It won't be the first time. Arkady Ivanovitch ran to the kitchen and set to work to get the samovar. Vasya, meanwhile, went on writing. Arkady Ivanovitch, moreover, dressed and ran out to the baker's, so that Vasya might have something to sustain him for the night. A quarter of an hour later the samovar was on the table. They began drinking tea, but conversation flagged. Vasya still seemed preoccupied. Tomorrow he said at last, as though he had just thought of it. I shall have to take my congratulations for the new year. You need not go at all. Oh, yes, brother, I must, said Vasya. Why, I will sign the visitor's book for you everywhere. How can you? You work tomorrow. You must work tonight, till five o'clock in the morning, as I said, and then get to bed. Or else you will be good for nothing tomorrow. I'll wake you at eight o'clock, punctually. "'But will it be all right, your signing for me?' said Vasya, half assenting. "'Why, what could be better? Everyone does it.' "'I am really afraid.' "'Why, why?' "'It's all right, you know, with other people. But Yulian Mostakovitch, he has been so kind to me, you know, Arkasha. And when he notices, it's not my own signature.' "'Notices? Why, what a fellow you are, really, Vasya!' How could he notice? Come, you know I can imitate your signature awfully well, and make just the same flourish to it. Upon my word I can. What nonsense! Who would notice? 
Vasya made no reply, but emptied his glass hurriedly. Then he shook his head doubtfully. "'Vasya, dear boy, ah, if only we succeed! Vasya, what's the matter with you? You quite frighten me! Do you know, Vasya, I am not going to bed now. I am not going to sleep. Show me, have you a great deal left?' Vasya gave Arkady such a look that his heart sank, and his tongue failed him. "'Vasya, what is the matter? What are you thinking? Why do you look like that?' Arkady, I really must go to-morrow to wish Yulian Mastakovitch a happy new year. Well, go then, said Arkady, gazing at him open-eyed, in uneasy expectation. I say, Vasya, do write faster. I am advising you for your good. I really am. How often Yulian Mastakovitch himself has said that what he likes particularly about your writing is its legibility. Why, it is all that Skoropohin cares for, that writing should be good and distinct like a copy, so as afterwards to pocket the paper and take it home for his children to copy. He can't buy copy-books, the blockhead. Yulian Mastakovitch is always saying, always insisting, legible, legible, legible. What is the matter, Vasya? I really don't know how to talk to you. It quite frightens me. You crush me with your depression." "'It's all right, it's all right,' said Vasya, and he fell back in his chair as though fainting. Arkady was alarmed. "'Will you have some water? Vasya, Vasya!' "'Don't, don't,' said Vasya, pressing his hand. "'I am all right. I only feel sad. I can't tell why. Better talk of something else. Let me forget it. Calm yourself, for goodness' sake. Calm yourself, Vasya. You will finish it all right.' On my honor you will. And even if you don't finish, what will it matter? You talk as though it were a crime. Arkady, said Vasya, looking at his friend with such meaning that Arkady was quite frightened, for Vasya had never been so agitated before. If I were alone, as I used to be, no, I don't mean that. I keep wanting to tell you as a friend, to confide in you. But why worry you, though? You see, Arkady, to some much is given, others do a little thing as I do. Well, if gratitude, appreciation is expected of you, and you can't give it? Vasya, I don't understand you in the least. I have never been ungrateful, Vasya went on softly, as though speaking to himself. But if I am incapable of expressing all I feel, it seems as though— it seems, Arkady, as though I am really ungrateful, and that's killing me. What next? What next? As though gratitude meant nothing more than your finishing that copy in time? Just think what you are saying, Vasya. Is that the whole expression of gratitude? Vasya sank into silence at once, and looked open-eyed at Arkady, as though his unexpected argument had settled all his doubts. He even smiled, but the same melancholy expression came back to his face at once. Arkady, taking this smile as a sign that all his uneasiness was over, and the look that succeeded it as an indication that he was determined to do better, was greatly relieved. "'Well, brother Arkasha, you will wake up,' said Vasya. "'Keep an eye on me. If I fall asleep, it will be dreadful. I'll set to work now. Arkasha, what?' Oh, it's nothing. I only—I meant— <sighs> Vasya settled himself and said no more. Arkady got into bed. Neither of them said one word about their friends, the Artemyevs. 
perhaps both of them felt that they had been a little to blame and that they ought not to have gone for their jaunt when they did arkady soon fell asleep still worried about vasya to his own surprise he woke up exactly at eight o'clock in the morning vasya was asleep in his chair with the pen in his hand pale and exhausted the candle had burnt out mavra was busy getting the samovar ready in the kitchen end of part two